Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is your host, Rodney. Listen, I'm happy that you're here with me again for another episode. Tonight, I got Brian Sharp King here from Sasquatch Odyssey. We have a really awesome conversation, you guys. He shares some of his experiences that happened in his younger days that led to him eventually starting this podcast. He's a retired police officer. I really like the way he views things because he just takes this gentle approach he wants to document and record all these scenarios in order for the betterment of us to try to understand what these strange creatures are that seem to just be showing up more frequent as the days go on. This episode's a lot of fun, but listen, you guys, hang in through this one, share it with a friend. Listen, go to Apple Podcast and leave me a review on Apple Podcast. That helps my show grow. I really appreciate you guys, and let's jump right into the episode, y'all. Brian, it's an honor to have you here on the show, man. Thank you for being here. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you inviting me on the show. Yeah, you got some interesting topics I've seen you've covered. I'm really interested in Bigfoot, Sasquatch, cryptids in general. I believe the truth is definitely stranger than fiction. Brian, why don't you walk us into like your background a little bit? How did you get started going down this path that you've been on for quite some time? Well, it probably started for me back when I was around 12 years old. We, we lived in a haunted house. And uh, I, I was just on another show last week and I sort of recounted those stories and some of the things that I experienced in that home. But one of the things that I experienced was while out hunting, I believe I was paced out of the woods by a Sasquatch. I didn't see it. I heard some vocalizations. I heard some huffs and some growls and what sounded like really large bipedal footsteps that were at times charging at me just on the outskirts of my vision, field of vision inside the the woods that I was in squirrel hunting. And it scared me to death. You know, I I took off running and (laughs) made it back to the house, but, and I always had that feeling, you know, that, that hair on the back of your neck sort of standing up, something's not right here. I'd never really experienced that in the woods before that particular time. And, uh, I've always thought that it was a Bigfoot. I mean, at the time I was 12, I didn't really know, but it's it's funny that I, I shared this story on one of the other shows that I was on recently, and the the guy that was on the show was very much into the paranormal and demonology and those kind of things. And he, because of the things that were going on inside the home, some satanic worship that had taken place there before we had moved in, you know, he brought it up to my attention. He was like, "Well, maybe it wasn't a Sasquatch that chased you out of the woods. Maybe it was one of these demons or one of these entities that you were dealing with." on the inside of the house. And I was like, well, you know, that's true. I just always thought it was a Sasquatch, but I didn't see it. So it could have been anything, but that sort of set me on the path of being interested in the paranormal. And I had a UFO experience when I was like 16, I saw a UFO with my mom. So I've always been interested in those types of things. Um, over the years, I just never really pursued it outside of books and enjoying shows and things like that. And I'd never listened to podcasts before. And a friend of mine sort of turned me on to podcasts because I like to listen to talk radio and I was into politics and those kind of things. And he's like, well, you should check out some podcasts. So I started looking for Bigfoot podcast and I stumbled across Wes over at Sasquatch Chronicles and started listening to his show. And I loved it, man. It was a great show. It was about encounter stories. And, and I felt connected to those people because I felt like I'd had one of those experiences earlier on in life. So What's a show like many people 
sort of set me down that path. And I thought, well, you know, I'm in the southeastern United States and I know that it's not necessarily a hot spot, but there's a lot of different sightings that happen in the, the southeast. And I wanted to start documenting as many of those cases as I could from I'm from Georgia originally, you know, Georgia, Florida with a skunk ape and South Carolina, North Carolina, that Tennessee. So I thought, well, maybe I'll just start a podcast of my own. So I got into some of the Facebook groups and started trying to connect with people and see if I could find people that had had encounters in my area. And I found a guy that was here in North Carolina. He's about two, two and a half hours away from where we are here and got him on the show. And it's funny when I started the show, I of course had no idea how to podcast. I'd, I'd never done it. I thought, well, you know, I got to record, <laughs> I got to record audio. I don't have any equipment. So I found this, I think it's called Rev, R-E-V, on iPhone, where you can record phone conversations. So that's how I started my show. I just sit, you know, put my earbuds in and call people on the, the Rev, and the audio quality was horrendous um, for those first few shows. But I started learning, you know, different ways to record. I actually bought a, I think it was a Zoom, um, like four-channel recorder, started using that. It sucked, you know, <laughs> and then it was funny about, I don't know, about two months ago, Wes from Sasquatch Chronicles emailed me and said, Hey man, I've been, I listened to your show. I think your show's great, but you're obviously having some audio problems. Let me help you with your audio problems. So he called me up and told me the board that he used and sort of walked me down the path of how to fix the audio issues that he had. Frankly, you know, most people have those when you start podcasting, you don't know what, what you're doing. So Thanks to Wes, he he recommended the board that he's been recording with for the last six years or so, and I've sort of taken it from there. The audio quality has definitely improved, thanks to him. So um, I actually gave him a shout out a couple of weeks back on the show for for his help because he's he's been tremendous, you know, super great guy helping out with another show because he like I believe you know we all do shows and we are all sort of competing for the same listeners, but. I don't see it that way. I see everybody's success is is the success ultimately for for solving this mystery, you know, that we're all trying to solve. And every encounter story that gets documented to me is some of the best evidence out there that these things actually exist. So that's probably a really long winded answer to a very short question. <laughs> I've met Tony Merkel. I actually ran into him at work about two years ago. And I know Tony and Wes are pretty close. I do listen to Sasquatch Chronicles. Once again, he has that attractive approach where it, it, not trying to push uh, an agenda on you, but like you said, we're really trying to do this research, talk about this topic for the betterment of everybody. We're trying to understand what's going on here. Just the fact that we have ancient cultures that are etching these things in rock are enough proof for me to, for my curiosity to grow. I've talked about this before on the show. I grew up in an old, famous Philadelphia farmhouse where Peter Rothamel painted the depiction of the Battle of Gettysburg in what had been the fourth floor studio of this historical home I grew up in. And uh, it was definitely haunted. 
there was some very interesting experiences that happened all throughout my life there. So I was awake to the supernatural realm at a very young age as well. It's different to be an experiencer or an observer of just phenomenon or stories in general. When you're an experiencer, when you were 12 years old, you're being trailed by a creature that you can't explain. It goes off the emotional chart and it leaves something with you where if you want to be able to sleep at night and, and keep normality, you got to be able to talk about these things and listen to other people's stories as well. You know, I know that there's so many people that have stories ranging from from everything, really. And a lot of them, I think, are scared to talk about it. I'm really happy to be in the day and age where we're seeing people become not afraid to share what they've experienced. I think that that's a key component to discovering what is really going on here. Brian, I want to ask you, tell me a couple of the most significant stories that you've heard anything on or off the air that you would kind of direct us towards. Yeah, I think most of the time, and I say it on the show often, the real stories usually come out when the microphone goes off. You know, there's, I've had people on the show, I I don't remember what show it was. I'm sure the listeners probably know what better than I do because I, I kind of put the shows out and I have to move on to the next one. You, you, you do this so you know how that's, how that works. But <laughs> I, I remember yeah. each story. I just don't remember names most of the time and the, the show numbers, but there was one particular guy on there. He was a, he worked on a train. He was a train conductor and there was like three of them in the train and they had a siding that they had a Sasquatch cross across them in front of the train and they all saw it. It wasn't something that was, you know, a group hallucination type thing. It was clearly there. And he had had a couple of other experiences similar to mine being paced in the woods and things where he didn't see the creature, but he found footprints and some trace evidence left behind. And we're talking and I was like, well, have you had any other strange experiences? And he sort of paused and laughed and he was like, yeah, you know, I, I went down to visit my girlfriend or fiance's family down in New Mexico and he saw a chupacabra and he sort of didn't want to tell me the story. I kind of had to press him to tell the story because he, and I don't remember the exact description, but it was basically like this lizard like thing with a long tail that was about three, three and a half feet tall. And he goes back into the house where the, the people who lived there, in the area were, and he said, you know, do chupacabras eat whatever it was digging through the trash? And they were like, yeah, they eat that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just common knowledge to them that they deal with these things, but, and he got to see it. And it was fascinating to me that he didn't want to tell me that story because he didn't want to put that out there after he had shared his Bigfoot encounters because people were going to think he's crazy. And that sort of struck me that that's sort of what we deal with, with, with these kind of topics is people are having these really strange encounters and seeing things. I don't, I can't check a box on a chupacabra, right? I don't know where that falls as far as making sense to me in the animal kingdom, you know, but then we're, we're talking yeah, about, it's normal to see a nine foot, 1200 pound bipedal ape for lack of a better term, walking around in places like the Pacific Northwest or here in North Carolina. But we think a chupacabra is too far out there and it can't exist. So that was just one of those stories that, that struck me that there's a lot of people who see a lot of things that they can't explain and they don't want to talk about them because it's not as accepted 
as seeing a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch in this day and age. And I mean, he shared the story and I'm like, okay, I, I don't know what to make of that. You know, I don't know if it's some misidentification or if it's maybe something that's more along the lines of a paranormal alien type thing. I, I really don't know. But that was just one of those instances where this guy clearly had a Bigfoot encounter. He saw this thing crossing over the railroad tracks, and he also saw a chupacabra. Now, he didn't see him at the same time. These were years apart, different states. But he's had these experiences, and he didn't want to share the chupacabra because he didn't want people to think he was crazy, and it sort of detract from his Bigfoot experience that he had shared on the show. I think some of the stranger, to me, some of the stranger things that I've documented is Dogman. I don't get a lot of Dogman encounters, uh, but I did interview Christine Ann. Her show has not aired. I, I interviewed her months and months and months ago, but I've sort of been saving that show because I'm I'm trying to do something a little special. Actually, I'm trying to do one of the suggestions that, that Wes made for the show just for that particular episode. But she shared with the shared with me these encounters over the course of her life from childhood into adulthood. She's had five dogman encounters. And again, I don't I don't know what to make of the dogman thing. You know, we're we're all speculating on Bigfoot. All these things that we're talking about are all speculation and theories because we don't have one. But dogman in particular just it doesn't make sense to me. I, I can't check that box logically to say this is how this creature could exist. We know that other relic hominids have existed in in the past. We have bones, we have fossils. We can go back into our family tree and trace those things and scientifically prove that they existed. So in my mind, the, the possibility of one of these things detect or not being detected all these years and living somehow amongst us in hiding sort of makes sense to me. I can, I can rationalize that. A seven-foot, half-man, half-dog creature doesn't compute. So, But it's, it's one of those things that I believe that this lady has had these experiences. I believe that she's had these encounters. One of them was very physical. Yeah, well, all of them were really physical, but one in particular, she told later in life, she's an EMT out in, uh, I think she's in Texas. I may have that wrong, but... She's an EMT and she was coming home or going to work during one of these encounters and a bunch of deer runs out in front of her truck. And then one of these creatures runs out that's chasing the deer and it actually smacks into the rear end of her truck and dents the truck. And she's going home and telling her husband about the situation. And he's like, what'd you do to the truck? And she tells him a dog man ran into the truck and he thinks she's crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, just imagine that at the dinner table. Hey, honey, what happened to the truck? Well, there was these deer. Oh, man, you hit a deer. No, it was the dog man that was chasing the deer that actually hit the truck. I don't know how you have that conversation, but, you know, it was clear to me that she had had these experiences, and I just don't know what to make of it. But, I mean, that's those two are probably the strangest. And then there's the lights, you know, the the situations where people have unexpected and unexplained encounters with orbs and lights in the woods. Like Ron Moorhead, when I had Ron on the show, 
he, he talked about some of the experiences he had had up at the Sierra camp with some unexplained lights and orbs and things that they had seen. And clearly the situations where they're hearing their camp being torn apart and they're in the shelter, you know, afraid these things are going to bust through and, and take them out. And then they walk outside an hour later and the camp is completely fine. And I don't know how you explain that. You know, there's, there's five or six guys here and they're clearly not having a situation where it's a group hallucination. You know, there's something going on. I don't know how you explain that. Uh, With all these things happening, I think it's interwebbed. I just don't know really where to go with it. I mean, I know I've talked about the sinocephalus before. In Greek, it means the head of a dog on a man. Uh, me and Derek Gilbert talked a little bit about that. And then he shared what I, I called it a potential dog man encounter that Derek Gilbert had from Skywatch TV. But ultimately, from my understanding, these dog men seem to be like very malicious. They're like really sneaky. They're mischievous. You know, they do really strange things. And Derek's wife multiple times said uh, they heard bipedal footsteps running across the roof of the house in the middle of the night. Strange things like that. It seems like these entities can appear and disappear. I just had a, an interview with a guy last week, and he had a Bigfoot sighting with his son back in August. It was August of this past year up in Tennessee. And he's still sort of reeling from the, the encounter because it was a pretty traumatic thing for him. He's like, this thing's not supposed to exist. And there's a level of PTSD, I think, that that goes along with these encounters when you're seeing something that's not supposed to be there. And I agree. You're having these encounters and you don't know who do you talk to. That's that's one of the things Randy said to me. He said, I started listening to your show and I listened to the way that you talk to the people that come on the show and you clearly treat them like they're just normal people and they're not crazy. And I, of course, that's how I approach the show. That's that's one of the reasons I started my show was to document the encounters because I think those anecdotal personal experiences are some of the best evidence that we have that these creatures exist. You know, we've got foot castings and we've got footprint evidence and we've got hair samples and we've got DNA and we've got all these things that people are gathering after the fact, but nothing tells the story about behavior and commonalities across the country and really around the world outside of personal experiences and physical sightings and encounters with these things. So I think it's some of the best evidence that we have, albeit anecdotal and it's not very scientific. You know, that's one of the things I talked to Jeff Meldrum about when I had him on the show. He's very scientific, you know, anecdotal evidence is great. Eyewitness accounts are fantastic. They're entertaining and we glean some information from them, but it's not going to prove the existence of these things because people have seen these things for centuries and we're still really no closer than we ever were to proving their existence. It's going to take a body to do that. You know, DNA is not going to get it done. It's one of the things I had Doug Highcheck from Monster Quest on a while back. And that's one of the things Doug's really into, you know, he's, he's going, he's doing a lot of new things. He's got some new projects in the works that he's working on that'll hopefully be on television soon. And he's doing a whole lot of scientific work to gather more evidence. Um, but ultimately it's going to take a body. I mean, I hate to say that, you know, I don't want to see anything killed, but I think it's going to take a specimen for maybe even two for people to say, yeah, this, this actually exists. And I think what we're going to see when that happens 
is all the evidence that's out there, like grade A video, grade A pictures that people are sitting on and and not sharing because of the ridicule factor are going to come out. Once, once discovery is out there, then we're going to have a flood of information coming in that people have been holding on to for decades because they don't want to be ridiculed. So I, I can't wait for that. I think it's going to happen. I don't know when. I don't know if it's going to be in my lifetime. I hope I get to see it. But there's a lot of evidence out there, I think, that people are holding on to. And they just don't want the, the BS that comes along with being that guy that's got the, the next Bigfoot video. You know, they don't... Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin, you know, their their life was changed after the Patterson Gimlin film, and it wasn't always for the better. You know, Bob Gimlin and, and Roger Patterson, respectively, went through a lot of naysaying negativity, and you know, even to this day, I'm actually doing a member show um, this week. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen the the video that the investigative reporter, I think it's Greg Lyon, put out. I, I may be butchering his name but it's called the the greatest hoax or the biggest hoax or whatever and it's it's about the patterson gimlin film and he goes back and takes a look at you know patterson's history and how he swindled people out of money and all of these things it's and and the first time i watched the video i came away from it like hmm, okay well i didn't know that information i didn't know all the things that he had dug up about the past but at the end of the day, there was no evidence presented in that video that the Patterson-Gimlin film was fake. Outside of Bob Hieronymus saying, hey, it was me in the suit, and this is how we did it, and this is what happened. And, you know, there's no evidence to prove that that film isn't real. And I've always said, I've always been on the record saying, I think that that's real, but I don't know. You know, so... I keep an open mind and I'm, I'm willing to listen to evidence one way or the other. But until you come up with something other than, hey, it was me in the suit. Well, where's the suit? You know, and you've got the guy who claims he yeah, sold true. the. He said, I sold the suit to Roger Patterson. Well, where's the receipt? Where's the suit that looks just like that one? No, nothing's ever been produced. But that's the problem with the evidence, because after that Patterson Gimlin film was put out, if it's not that quality, it's not really any better than the next guy's video or the next blob squatch or whatever. But if it is that good, then it's got to be fake. So I think that's just where we are with the evidence. And I'm probably off topic again. So I'm going to shut up and let you ask, ask a question. Well, no, that's significant because you look at what, you know, Bob Gimlin, like he goes through, I mean, first of all, they sell the rights for like $10, right? And and you look at what this guy, both of these guys go through, but but Bob in particular, he almost goes through a divorce because of this encounter. You know, his wife's being harassed at the bank she works at. People are pulling up uh, in his driveway in the middle of the night, yelling, let's go Bigfoot hunting. You think at any point in time, he could have just said, you know, Hey, that was fake and let's turn a new leaf here. Right. But he didn't. And he's such a legend in, in my eye as well, because here's a guy who experienced these things. They recorded these guys with, with an old video camera and he he's not leaving his story behind. This is something I love that LA Marzoli says. He's like, listen, uh, he had an experience when he was in the boy Scouts with a unidentified object in the sky. And he, he talks about coming back and the, you know, the five or six other little scouts that were in the group 
you know, the elders kind of talk them out of what they've seen, kind of like you're running through the story and they're kind of like, no, you didn't really see that. Well, LA is like, no, I know what I've seen and I'm not backing down the heart that it takes to just take it or leave it, believe me or not, but this is my story and I'm sticking to it. And, and that's what Bob uh, Gimlin dealt with. You know, he, he went through a bunch of ridicule early on after all that. And what did he have to gain? You know, you got to look at that. Like these people who have experiences that are willing to share them now, and, and you're right, Brian, because there's a plethora of people that are sitting in the dark with who knows what story after story, pictures, maybe even video that are just terrified to bring it out to the public eye because they don't want to be scrutinized and ripped apart by people's general consensus of you're a weirdo for thinking that exists, let alone, you know, trying to prove it. Uh, we see that. And, and that really hurts my heart. I share my experiences and I don't share all of them, but there's certain things I'm willing to talk about. I know that when people give me a hard time, make fun of me, you know, come on, I've seen both sides of it. It really just makes you go, what world are you living in? Like, like I don't get angry or lash back at people, but, but I'd kind of even step further back and just go, wow, a lot more people are blinded to the idea that these things happen until they experience it themselves. Now, something my dad always says, because he's had a ton of experiences with lights in the sky. At some point in time, I'm hoping to do a show with him. He's on the other side of the country. He says to me, he's like, you know, Rodney, the, the real ones are hiding out most of the time. You know, the real people that experience these things that are dealing with the trauma of it, that really have nowhere to go with it, they're hiding out. We see some people brush through and, and, and share these encounters, but I believe there's a lot more people sitting in the dark with experiences that are not willing to come out yet. And I'm hoping that by doing a show like this, people can relate to something they hear along the way. And it kind of gets them in, in a mental space where they're like, I'm not alone. You know, there's a couple of podcasts out there I've listened to. And, you know, a lot of people had similar experiences or, hey, this guy's really intrepid and he's bold. He's not a, afraid to talk about these topics. Maybe there's a place where I can share my encounter because, like you said, there's trauma that definitely comes along with experiencing. I had an encounter with an orb in the middle of the night at this time. This is a couple years ago in a place called Ole, Pennsylvania, which there's some really interesting uh, Indian mounds out there. We're out in the country. There was a horse farm across the street, a you know, very, very remote area. My great-grandmother, we had five generations for family dinner, but she was coming to the end of her age. Uh, she was 95 at the time. She was staying with us. Me and my wife were taking care of her. Well, at the same time, my son is teething. So I, not much sleep. There's a lot of sleepless nights for me, a lot of reading <laughs> and research that got done on those sleepless nights. But she wakes up and she was in the room across from our bedroom. She fell in the hallway. My son wakes up. He's crying, teething. I, I just, I'm having one of those moments where I'm so stressed out that after I get everybody settled, I go outside. And literally, I'm like in the driveway, like huffing, like I'm stressed out. You know, work was stressful at the time. And I look and out across the field. I see an orb and it had like a, a bluish, almost purple tint to it. I want to say. And as soon as I seen it, I knew that it knew I saw it and I was struck with fear. Like, like I'm telling you, the hair on my body stood up from the back of my heels to the top of my head. And this thing just shot off like at an unbelievable rate. I, I'm choked up. You know, I'm already out there stressed out trying to get fresh air in the middle of the night. I run in the house and, I don't, who do you call? What do you do with that? Right? Like, this is one of my things is like, where do you go with this information? Well, this is something that was definitely soothing for me. I, I have the Bible app on my phone and uh, I'm a believer. 
and God, I believe we have a purpose. We're here by design. I don't believe it's by accident. I open up the Bible app and the scripture that is right there in the front heading. It says, perfect love casts out fear. And um, there was something soothing about reading that because my, my alarms are going off. My internal alerts are flashing. I'm super stressed out. I just seen something that I don't, I don't like, it made me crawl in my own skin. And well, I read that scripture and I'm thinking perfect love casts out fear. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm wrestling through this now, but it, but it brought comfort. And, and I do believe that. So we think we are, we are that, you know, there's a proverb that talks about, so a man thinketh he is, I think that there's power in belief. I think there's power in the, the way that we view the world around us and what we encounter, um, which one thing that, Sorry to be so long-winded, but but another thing that I talk about often that bothers me is is the the church, this corporate body of so-called believers around the world. They don't want to talk about these topics. When you have tons of people, most of them sitting in the church who've had demonic encounters, ghost encounters, they've seen lights in the sky. Some of them have seen physical cryptids, and, and that's another thing that kind of bothers me because I want to break down that wall a little bit. I think the spectrum is way bigger than the narrow-mindedness of. This is my club. I get a sticker for showing up, you know, that kind of thing. It just kind of bothers me. But, but Brian, I want to ask you, well, you, you're a retired police officer. You spent, what was it? 15 or 16 years in law enforcement. Yes, that's correct. I, I got a lot of respect for everyone who served. I got family in the military. I have friends who went to the police academy. Uh, I've always been respectful to police officers. I, I believe you know, there's good people and bad people. They can have any badge or shirt on. It doesn't matter. Did you ever encounter anything in the supernatural realm while you were a police officer? Uh, no, nothing while I was on duty. Um, I, I know I've talked to people who have had those experiences in their law enforcement career, and I've heard other people share their stories, but I was in the city of Atlanta. So it was a very urban area. It was urban sprawl. And we answered about 3,000 911 calls a day in the city. So it was it was constantly humping calls and going to domestics and shootings and, and all the things that happen in a, in a big city like that. So there wasn't really not that you can't have those things in an urban area, but I, I never I don't know if it I just didn't have time to, to slow down. And I might have even experienced things that I didn't even realize because we were so busy. Um, but I tend to hear those stories usually in smaller towns and where things are a little slower paced and, you know, you're more out in the country and that kind of thing. But no, I, I don't have any of those experiences while on the, on the job. What do you think Bigfoot is? What is your take on it from your experience and your research and from everything you've heard at this point in time? What do you feel like is going on here? What do you think this creature is? That certainly changes from me daily. Honestly, every time I talk to a new witness, <laughs> I have a new guest on the show, yeah. it, it changes for me. Five days out of seven, my answer is I think it's some sort of relic hominoid. I think it's some sort of bipedal ape-like creature. I think it's a flesh and blood animal. I, I don't really, I don't get into the interdimensional, supernatural things that, that some people believe about these creatures. And I could be wrong. I, my mind is open to that. I don't exclude anything on my show. I've had people like Ron on the show who, who sort of believes that these things may be related to aliens or some sort of interdimensional being. I, I'm open to that, you know, but I'm more of a one-to-one -one correlation evidence-based type of 
person. So if you have evidence to, to back up your claims, then I'm right there with you. Um, people see things that like cloaking, for example, you know, there are people who claim they've seen these things cloak and that's sort of an interdimensional thing, or they're coming in and out of portals. I don't doubt those people's stories. I believe that those people who've had those experiences believe what they saw. I don't know if it's actually what happened. You know, I think these things are very capable of blending into their environments. And I think people may see them blending in and they misconstrue what they see and think it's some sort of predator like ability to cloak. I don't know what to make of that, but the short answer is I believe it's some sort of relic hominoid. I'm in that camp and until something comes along that changes my mind or nudges me into a different direction, that's, that's where I'm at. I, I don't know what else it could be. You know, people have a lot of experiences that they can't explain in correlation with Bigfoot sightings often, you know, the orbs and the lights. And I, I interviewed a guy recently who has been taking these accounts for five decades and he's interviewed police officers and, and other very credible people in his community that have claimed to see these things in correlation with and sometimes interacting with what appear to be alien craft coming out of a beam of light, physically walking into one of these craft. Um, that's, that's coming up on a future show I'm going to put out with John. And I don't know what to make of that. You know, I, I hear those stories and if those people are credible and they saw what they saw, then I don't know what that means. The government is now coming out and, you know, giving information on these unidentified aerial phenomenon, I think they call it. And I did an episode with Drew Graffia where we talk about the disclosure and what that means for the American people. Because a lot of the times, Brian, we hear a connection between Sasquatch and lights, orbs, UFOs. I've even heard some really wild stories where aliens are walking with these creatures, beaming them up on ships. You know, At the end of the day, I, I do believe there's a lot of credible people out there that are traumatized by their experience. And I think it's a great thing that podcasters, you know, guys just talking with people off air, we're giving them a platform to be able to share their story so they don't feel <laughs> alone or crazy. You know, everybody take a breath here. Like, like, let's, let's hear each other out. You know, let's, let's hear these testimonies. Let's process this information and make a critical decision as to what we think's going on. Yeah. One of the things that, that I've stressed on my show from the beginning, it's obviously it's called Sasquatch Odyssey. So it's, it's primarily about Bigfoot Sasquatch encounters. It's about documenting those eyewitness accounts, but I don't exclude anything on my show. And like I say, the more I talk to people, they have these different encounters outside of Bigfoot that I also try to document. Um, two of the the Johns that I've had on recently. I know everybody laughs when I put people's name on there as John, but their name really is John. Um, they've had Bigfoot encounters <laughs> at different times in different places, you know, throughout their life, but they've had some very interesting UFO encounters as well. Um, John from Pennsylvania, I'm working on putting his part two together. It was nothing but his alien abduction stories, uh, UFO encounters, same thing with John from California. He had a lot of demonic sort of shapeshifter kind of encounters as well as UFO encounters. And both of those shows are coming up in, in the next couple of months. 
Um, Doug Hycheck from he was the producer on Monster Quest. He's he's been around. He's had his own personal encounters, and uh, Doug is coming on the show uh, probably in the next couple of weeks. I've got Timothy Renner. If you guys listen to Strange Familiars podcast, I had Timothy on, so his show's coming up in the next few weeks. Lots of other encounters. Uh, I just did Kathy Strange show last week. I'm going to try to get Kathy and and maybe Bob back. And for you guys that have been listening to the show for a while, there's Bobby from the Uori National Forest here in North Carolina. I got an update from Bobby. So he was early on, maybe show four or five, I think maybe show six or something on the show. But I got an update from Bobby. So he's had some very interesting things going on and he's got some projects where he's getting more trail cam. He actually reached out to me a couple of days ago and he collected some hair samples that I'm actually going to send on hopefully to Doug Highcheck and let Doug take a look at those and see what he can come up with maybe as far as some sort of identification. So lots of cool stuff, man. The show is made up with encounter stories. I, I implore everybody who's listening to share your encounters, get get them out there contact me you can get me at brian at sasquatchodyssey.net you can also go to the website sasquatchodyssey.net i've got a new button there where people can go click the button and at the bottom of the home page and record your encounter stories and i'll play them on the show it records for like five minutes at a time you can record as many as you need to to get your story out there and i'll start using those encounters on the show as well so yeah, that's awesome. And I thought that was a really unique feature when I seen that. That's a really good idea. It's been a pleasure to speak with you, man. I, I really do appreciate you taking the time to uh, quick communication, getting back to me and scheduling this interview. Absolutely, man. I was I was glad you reached out and I, I enjoyed it. All right. Well, that's the show, everybody. If you found this episode to be helpful in any way, you learn something new, it's going to cause you to do some deeper research and to look into topics that seem to just not be going away. They're emerging and getting more and more popular. I ask you guys would share this with a friend coming to you from southeastern Pennsylvania. God bless America and good night.